0: Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fun programs to see. You're also Kate, to like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, the us of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Calls, who as ever, by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, I'm recording live from Comic-Con, but more from where I'm staying in San Diego. So if y'all hear a plane, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going on. Um, anybody who's following uh, Comic-Con on Twitter knows how my week has been. How has your week been?
1: Uh, my week's been fine. Uh, nothing like super duper exciting or anything. Not like I'm getting to see a Viking ship set on fire in the Bay of San Diego or anything. Um, that was super cool yeah right i mean did, did anyone like recite beowulf or anything no 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 beowulf okay. no it's no. like predates vikings anyway um probably i would think my history's not good on that anyway so yeah, yeah no you, that definitely you've, yeah you've been at comic-con you've got to see john barrowman dressed up as a tardis um mm-hmm. very exciting very exciting so yeah you'll have lots to talk about for the yes ca- uh the san diego catch-up afterthoughts after show talking, talking after comic-con show.
0: yeah there'll be a lot to talk about uh, next week when we do our comic-con wrap-up but i mean right now we need to talk about something else noel and we need to talk about confederate because wtf hbo like how how
1: yeah it's an excellent question because uh confederate for those who haven't been keeping up with the news this week or have just been buried in comic-con slash trump stuff um, is the new show, the forthcoming show that was announced this week from the two guys that run um, Game of Thrones and then two other folks that they brought on to help them with this, in which it, it, it presupposes that the South didn't win the Civil War but that they're at a standstill with the North and have been since the 1860s. And it comes into the present day. The South is still a separate country, which as someone from the South, allow me to tell you that if the South was still a separate country over 100 years later, it's considered a victory for the South. (laughs) Yeah, the (laughs) Uh, whole
0: thing with the South is they weren't fighting to take over the North. They were fighting to be their own country. Uh, So that means they won.
1: (laughs) Right, and it's really fun because the... Produce the ostensible uh, showrunners and producers are splitting hairs about that. I'm just like, you guys don't really understand what the South was fighting for. Then, if you think that they didn't win by still being their own country a hundred years, hundred plus years later, yeah. so it's just like, yeah. So this is a show in which slavery will still be a thing, though they were have been quick to emphasize. Well, it won't be whips and plantations to which we all went. That's not better. anyone on the show um so yeah this this seems like a really weird sort of thing for them to do and a really terrible thing for them to want to do right after game of thrones and um for hbo to say yes and for all sorts of other fun reasons um that immediately make you go yeah i'm I'm sure with all the racial subtlety of game of thrones this is going to go real well
0: yeah, and not just the ra- the racial handling on Game of Thrones, of course, but uh, uh, the 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 writing for the women and the gender issues. Because obviously, you know, I if I pick a, think of people that I trust to handle a story that will include uh, people of color, women of color, very specifically functioning in uh, a society where slavery exists. I really don't think of, of Game of Thrones. That's like, Benny and Weiss, like, no, guys. You've shown that you can barely, ha- like, you've shown you don't know what rape is. <laughs> you've shown that you don't necessarily think that when you're showing and depicting a rape on TV, you should follow the perspective of the survivor. Why would you think that you, you are qualified to handle this story you've dreamed up i saw on twitter someone i don't know the name i apologize i can't attribute it but it's like so like may i one day have the confidence of two white men who think that they should tell the story a story about slavery modern day slavery
1: i think that was pilot i think that was pilot yes that was pilot yes no no absolutely and as as a as a as a white male um I wish I had that confidence as well, because I do not. Um, but I also have more self-awareness, clearly, um, that I would not attempt to do something like this. Yeah,
0: There's so many ideas. Why would you do this idea? Right.
1: And the the idea that this is something that they've been noodling on for a while and had, like, a feature film idea for, I just went, oh, no, you guys have been thinking, no, no, this is terrible. Don't do this. And I'm, I'm wondering how, like... They said in an interview with Vulture that they haven't even written, like, the big fictional history for the show. And then been kind of discouraged by the fact that everyone was sort of like, but you guys haven't even seen it yet. You don't know what it's going to be like. And we all just kind of went, but your premise is just bad. <laughs> your premise
0: is terrible. Yeah. Your track record is abysmal. We don't need to see it to know that this is a bad idea. And if you make this show and it's somehow amazing, we will say that. Yeah. don't expect that we're just not going to have an opinion. Un- like, that's
1: really, really stupid. Yeah. No, it's deeply, deeply stupid. And it, it's also one of those things where if you want to do, like, a speculative history sort of thing, and there's plenty of other avenues. Like, I saw a number of folks on Twitter recommending a book from 1988 called Fire in the Mountain by Terry Beeson. And it's also an alternative history of the Civil War, except in this instance, Harriet Tubman joins Brown's uprising and it's successful and the South becomes what's called Nova Africa. And it's this socialist utopia. (laughs) And it's just like, I would watch that show and I would like to see that. Um, and yeah, so like the, the full, full full-blown slave revolt runs through the South and it becomes its own black country on the borders of the North. And it's just like, Oh, that sounds really interesting. I would watch that and just pay 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 to pay the licensing rights for this book and just spin it out, but yeah, so I don't know. I haven't read the book um though I'm going to seek and seek it out I think um just because the premise, unlike the premise for confederate sounds vaguely interesting,
0: <laughs> yeah, it does not sound horrible um the I saw somebody else on the first thing that like kind of pinged my interest where I noticed that something was going on with this on Twitter uh, as I was like in line at <laughs> Comic-Con or air- in the airport, something like that. I don't remember exactly when this news of this dropped. Was someone talking about, thank you, but I'm a pass on the slavery fanfic from the the, the writers of Game of Thrones? Yes. Um, that's what this feels like. And anybody who is... any Anybody who doesn't understand why people are concerned and uh, highly, highly skeptical um, about this, and outspoken about this, needs to take a like take a look in because there are so few opportunities given to make a a show at HBO like a big, high budget, like support of the network kind of show that when this is what HBO decides to support, it feels like a very big statement and we know that they tend they have creators that they want to work with and that they trust and that have been successful for them before for example game of thrones um but this is not just benioff and weiss if it was just benioff and weiss talking about this we would say that they're stupid and move it along it's the fact that hbo and the whole group of people that had to meet to talk about this approved this and are like sure let's do it that's what I think is concerning and that is what is worth discussing and yes HBO is bringing back Insecure which starts next week and I'm very excited about it you know I'm gonna watch it in a couple days but how you look at this premise how you look at these creators and think yes let's give this our money I mean I don't even know
1: yeah it's one of those things where I very much i'd love to be in that meeting and no one went you know it's maybe not a good idea how did no one say that in a meeting at some point point? Yeah. and it I, i'm sure there are very clear and easy to guess reasons why um but it's sort of like no one with two brain cells apparently to rub together went oh maybe we shouldn't do this and it or- yeah go ahead weren't listen or they weren't listened to. Right. Or yeah, or they weren't listened to, which is also something that's potentially likely. So yeah. Fun times. Fun times. Ugh.
0: Fun times indeed. At the end of the show, we're doing our latest check in on our T V resolutions. Noel, to remind the listeners your resolution was?
1: To watch more anime. And what was your resolution, Kate?
0: My resolution was to watch YouTube series, um, one a month. So the one that I have for this check-in is uh, listener recommendation, The Lizzie Bennett Diaries. And Noel, you have the most recent uh, batch of, it's like the summer schedule is what it's called?
1: Yeah, I had like some stuff from the summer schedule. So I've got Fastest Finger First, uh, Clean Freak, and um, what was the other? Oh, Classroom of the Elite, as well as some um, Soccer Request, which is continuing into the summer as well
0: okay so that'll be coming at the end of the episode but uh let's get into first our week in tv because i've seen like nothing because i've been a comic con but Noah's seen many things and we will talk about them right after this comedy and reality. Noel's going to fill us in on Friends from College, which dropped season one on Netflix last week, as well as the premiere of Loaded Lawsuit. Then we'll both talk The Carmichael Show, Evelyn and Vernon. Uh, Noel will fill us in on I'm Sorry (laughs) Ass Cubes. And we'll round things out with the Great British Baking Show's Botanicals episode. So first up is Friends from College. All I know about this, Noel, is that it has Keegan-Michael Key and nobody seems that enthused. Which, I mean, Keegan-Michael Key. So uh how did if if that is an appropriate reaction how did they squander such a fabulous cast member and if that is not an appropriate reaction where are people coming from
1: right it's a super appropriate reaction and it's 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 not a good show by any stretch of the imagination in fact um so this is the latest comedy from netflix um it was created by nicholas Stoller, <clears throat> who and his spouse uh, Francesca De Um Stoller, you might know from directing uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and um, the Neighbors films. Um, so, yeah, so this deals with uh, Keegan-Michael Keegan- Keegan- Keys, Ethan, and Kobe Smulders, Lisa, uh, coming back to New York from Chicago. T- and they're reconnecting with all their Harvard friends. And by God, they mentioned that they went to Harvard quite a bit and it turns out like i don't know that any of these people are actually friends um um or that they were even friends and i think maybe that's the conceit of the shows that they've grown apart so much that they're not really connecting but it doesn't really matter because everyone's just really really terrible um like all the way down ethan's having an affair with um any um parsis sam who is married to greg german um but like that's sort of the extent of what I can tell you what's happening here because Nat Faxon, Fred Savage, and J. Sue Park, who are the other friends from college, barely register in the show as characters, let alone people that they are friends with. Um, and I think that the best way I can describe it is Billy Ackner's in this. He plays uh, Fred Savage's character's uh, partner. And Billy Ackner's type. Uh, t- cast against type here. He's very quiet. Um, he's not supposed to be funny and he's super judgmental about all of these people. And Billy Agner's character responding to all of these people is me watching all of these people because they're just all really awful, but there's no charm to anything that's happening. And there's, there's nothing to motivate any of the occasional chuckles that sort of come out of it. And it's just, it's rough. I only did, I could only get through like four episodes before I just ended up turning it off. And that's half the run of the first eight um, that they did. It's eight half hours. But yeah, it's just, it's very not funny. There's not a lot of drama to it either. The fourth episode's the best one in which um, uh, Key and Smulder's characters um, attempt to do their timed shot for their IVF and then botch it. Um, really horribly in terms of like he drops the vial with the time shot needed for like to do the um, to do the insemination. And so the whole episode is probably the funniest in that they're trying to find a way to get uh, the drug that they need for the time shot. But they end up crashing Eichner and Savage's birthday party dinner and it's Savage's birthday and no one has called him. None of his friends have called him about this. And Eichner's character explains that because of time shots, he's got like eight other people the next day that have to be seen and you have to do IVFs are really precise in their timing for these things. And he just explains that it's just like, well, if I bump you, I have to bump everyone. And there's, and then they're both just like, well, please can you? And then like Savage's (laughs) character also chimes in, these guys are my best friends. Can you please do it? And it's just like, wow, these people are really, really terrible that they're willing to, eliminate seven other people's chances of conception just for themselves and it's just like oh this isn't good it turns out that he just eichner's character calls the doctor who's up on vacation montauk uh to come and do the procedure but it's also just like you ruined that guy's vacation as well so it's better than ruining everyone else's chances of conception but you ruined a man's vacation so it's one of those things where none of these people are particularly good or nice especially like ethan lisa and sam who are key smolders and parsi but yeah, it's it's not a good show, it's not funny, and if you read a bad review of Friends from College and you probably did, whatever was said in that bad review is probably correct.
0: <laughs> yeah, like again, we're in peak TV, there's too much television for us to watch it all. Why you like you've gotta you don't your characters don't have to be likable?
1: Yeah. The, no, they really don't. To-
0: they have to be interesting. There has to be a reason that we're watching them. And when you set up a premise, these are my friends. You can't just say that. You have to actually make us care about the friends and care about the friendship. Yeah. Not, yeah. not checking this one out.
1: No, you shouldn't either. It, it's just aggressively grating. And it, it, it was a tough. T- Let me put it this way. Like I was pausing a lot through the f- second episode and I thought I was on the third. Oh, <laughs> So, oh, that's not good. That's not good.
0: <laughs> well, what about Loaded on AMC?
1: Right. So this was, a, this was sort of a thing that I was not aware that was happening, um, in part because I don't watch AMC anymore for anything, I think. And not until Halt and Clutch Fire comes back in August, <laughs> which I really wanted to come back soon. <laughs> um, so this is actually a British uh, import from Channel 4 um, that has um, Jim Howick, Sam, Samuel Anderson, Johnny Sweet, and uh, Nick Helm. And also Mary McCormick. Um, and the four guys I just named all started a company that developed a some sort of, like, app cat game. And they've been bought out by another larger company. So now they all have, like, 14 million pounds to play with. And, it's, and so the rest of the series is about them sort of navigating, suddenly having all this money. The first episode deals with a guy who is suing them for stealing his tattoo for their game's mascot and dealing with how they figure out how to get out of that lawsuit, considering the lawsuit seems kind of wishy-washy and how McCormick's character is basically just like, yeah, I'm coming to manage all of this now. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, what, they, what they're expected to do now and how they can change their lives, if they can change their lives now that they have all this money and it's okay a lot of it is grounded in that sort of cringe British comedy um, which doesn't really click for me in a lot of ways um, but there are, there's like a promise of some interesting sort of class navigation here in terms of what people can expect from money. So like one of the characters um, instead of paying off his parents mortgage, um buys them like a three-month trip around the world and they're not excited about that at all (laughs) because they're just they're just like but we like going to Florida once a year it's nice we don't need a three-month trip around the world but if you had paid off the mortgage that would have been a lot better Mm. and one of the other guys like chucks in 50,000 pounds for like spending money and they're super excited about that um (laughs) And so there's just some really interesting, like, little class things that are kind of seeping out through the show and and ideas of what money represents. So one of the guys buys a Ferrari and McCormick's character is like, are you Gordon Gecko? Why are you buying a Ferrari? Everyone has a Prius now. Mm. And right. So there's this idea of what wealth looks like through the show as well that I find kind of interesting. I don't know that it's particularly funny, but I'm still sort of interested enough to watch like another episode or two. Um, to see what other sort of commentaries they have to make, if they have any to make. Um, but I'm also just excited to see McCormick in this sort of a a th- position of authority and like really like swinging that authority around a lot. She describes herself as a sexy Darth Vader, bring, breathing down their necks, which I really like. Um, so yeah, it's it's okay. This already, I think this already aired in um, the UK. Yeah, it aired uh, started airing in March in May in the UK, so it should be done. And yeah, so it's it's okay. Um, at least based on that first episode.
0: Okay, now when you were talking about Friends from College, you said that it made one of the biggest issues that you don't like or care about any of the characters. Mm-hmm. H- how are the rest of these characters doing here?
1: Um, you, they're all. I feel vaguely, like there's only like, like
0: one that stuck out.
1: Yeah. And they're all sort of like one of them's a coder who is on none of the press stuff. And he's just very quiet because his face doesn't appeal. Um, so he's not on any of like the press stuff whatsoever. Um, and he seems nice. He's just like su- he's just like really low key, sort of awkward nice. And then the- everyone else is just sort of like kind of middling range for me. Right now, um, I don't really have a sense of anyone past Leon, um, who's played by Samuel Anderson. Um, He's just, like, really in for me. Um, He played Danny Pink on Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's really good playing sort of – he's the guy who ends up buying the Ferrari. And his character just exudes a great deal of confidence and everything. And um, I like the performance a lot more than I necessarily like Leon. But a good performance can, like, propel me through a lot of stuff. So I'm enjoying that aspect. And I like a lot of what Leon does at the end of the episode as well. So, yeah, I like Leon. Josh is ostensibly like the main character. He's the one who buys the um, buys the three-month tour uh, mm-hmm. for his family. And he's just like really awkward and expecting, sort of semi-expecting like this money to change his life. Except for the fact that he's not willing to like make any larger changes himself. So I think that I I think that they're interesting characters here. Um, just the first episode is just a lot of setup. So. Okay.
0: Cool. Well, It's interesting. It's interesting. I'm about to check that out, and we can talk about it next week. Um, we had another episode of the Carmichael Show, counting them down. Only a few left. This is Evelyn and Vernon. Um, and what I when I was watching this, no, I just kept thinking about our conversation about the various times we've talked about how the Carmichael Show so deftly shifts its topic and its focus um through an episode because that's for me that's what this episode was. It just kept pivoting when I we, st- we start and the um the female characters are coming back from the women's march and then it looks like maybe it's pivoting into something with um Natisha uh, Nikisha's, um getting stopped by the police, but then no, it's it's back to this and then it pivots to um the the, the grandmother in the family, potentially leaving her horrible husband. Um, And then that sort of conversation just keeps, like, about gender roles and when divorce and when is that a good thing and when is that a bad thing. And, you know, I don't know. I really like this
1: episode. No, I did too. And I like how it brought back Morris Mm -hmm. um, in a a surprising, in a way that, that I say is surprising because I did not expect Morris to resurface in any way. And based on just its um, usual rhythms. But here it like comes back in a very significant way. As Cynthia sort of um, navigates the fact that just because they're sort of in an okay place doesn't mean that they're okay. That they're better. And that she isn't better. And it's just, it's a series of just really powerful statements for the show to make about, like you said, about divorce and the role women play in deciding when a relationship is over and what their degree of happiness is. And I I just, I really appreciated that so much of it was focused on that question, but also that it had been so really well set up with Morris in a way that I think if they had hadn't done Morris, then a lot of the Cynthia stuff wouldn't have landed. But because of the fact that they did do Morris, it's just like this episode works even better than it, probably would
0: have without it well definitely and like i certainly i you're saying you didn't expect morris to come back i didn't expect you know them to certainly not in the same season only a couple episodes later and having like again that talk about that pivot that's you think it's going to be about evelyn and vernon and then it just no this is morris part two and we, we needed like an episode or two in between so that we could be lulled into a sense of the storyline is that was a one off and now everything's fine. Like, I really appreciated that. And it let us get another different performance from this cast on on this issue. So we had that super intense, dramatic episode. And this is that as well. But it's more in the typical vein. It's Like I, just, I really appreciate the, them checking back in on where these characters are at.
1: Yeah. And yeah, so it was just it was a really it was a really smart sort of play uh, to make a lot of this land without having to stretch. So I really I really appreciated what they did in this episode.
0: Yeah, I don't really have what to say, though, because it, it is just sort of like a checking in kind of thing. And that's yeah. not what the show usually does. But I'm I'm very glad that they did here. And we'll see if there's any I, I would I would expect there won't be any other mention of Morris other than maybe like a joke before these seasons yeah. out
1: maybe yeah or maybe this season ends with more showing up that would and be fun wouldn't that be amusing for the show to go out on that note
0: <laughs> yeah interesting okay well let's move on then to our next episode and that's i'm sorry and ask cubes um so what i don't know i'm go- I kind of am a little nervous to start off with this
1: so who
0: what are ask cubes and who has them
1: all right, so ass cubes are exactly what you think that they would be. They are ice cubes in the butt. Okay. Hence, ice cube. Hence, ass cubes. And what it is is that um, it starts off with Andrea and Kyle, Jason Manzuka's character, and um, they are sort of like discussing the fact that Kyle is sort of a Shawshank Redemption sort of person in that to get to all the to get to say want to of all the good stuff of kyle you have to crawl through like three miles of shit mm-hmm. um before you can get to the good stuff of kyle because there's just so much stuff that he has and weird like stuff and but then like andrea and my tom everett Scott's character um discussed like well we should set him up with someone anyway and see kind of who 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 would be willing to get to say aho, and they settle on Michelley. uh uh, amelia's uh preschool teacher and michelle is the one who likes ice cubes in her butt Mm -hmm. and so the episode is a really funny in that both of the parents now have to deal with the the fact that they know their preschool teach daughter's preschool is one of her kinks or fetishes or however you want to define it and the kind of awkwardness of that um which gets played off in an episode tag um, but th- so that's really enjoyable because basically Mike has decided he never wants to see Michelle again. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's just like, nope, not, not doing this ever again. Um, so that's, that's, that's amusing. But the reason I wanted to kind of mention this episode is that it follows up on our discussion that we had last week about Manzuka's playing a human being and <laughs> not like someone who is sort of like a big, broad type. And here he's very much, again, very human insofar as after their first date, he's like super into Miss Shelley insofar as he's just like, this was probably one of the best dates I've ever had. I can see myself getting married and having kids with this woman. And he's saying it super earnestly and super seriously, like it's not something leading up to a joke or anything like this is this is a woman that he's really responding to. And again, I was throughout the entire episode, I was reminded of our conversation regarding Kyle and Minzoukas' performance here. And it was just, it was really, really good. It was very, very funny. And yeah, again, we're just finding new depths to Jason Menzukas here. And I really appreciate finding those depths. And so it's a very good episode for all the stuff regarding Kyle and Michelle. There's some stuff regarding Andrea's mom, who's played by Kathy Baker. And Martin Mull plays her dad, and there's some stuff like uh, going on with them that is sort of like background. So I'm assuming it's going to come back later, um, but it didn't land quite as well for me as all the stuff with uh, Michelle and Manzoukas did. But it was it was still it was still a very good episode. So the show's continuing at a nice clip, even if I do find their interest in butts um, a little. A little interesting, and I'm not yeah, quite I was sure gonna how, say, how recurring like that's going to be at this point.
0: Two, but storylines in as many weeks. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm really uh, certainly encouraged to hear that Menzuki's get something um this meaty to play with and uh, I look forward I look forward to catching up. Yeah. Um I guess let's move on then to our last episode and that is uh the Great British Baking Show and they had botanicals. It was their first week uh, uh or first episode ever doing botanicals and um did that work for you was that a fruitful enough oh i didn't okay <laughs> i wasn't going for that um but was it a an interesting and deep enough topic or did it feel like a stretch i mean for me it kind of felt like a bit of a stretch like how is the citrus pie botanicals like citrus is not botan. like if you had like with herbs and things like savory like sure but right. like a key lime pie doesn't feel like that is a botanicals challenge
1: yeah, and I do agree with that, even as someone who, like, we, we sort of had this, this conversation on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Meringue pies are pretty much the only pies I will eat, um, and the only thing I consider uh, as edible as a pie, because everything else is basically just, you veer, you veer too close to cobbler when you put fruit in there, and then I'm really picky about the textures of fruit and everything and i'm getting off topic because we can talk about (laughs) pie and cake for a little while well and because
0: honestly we'd rather talk about the consistency of fruit and cobbler than this episode because it's not that very it's not that interesting an episode
1: no it's not and so like i agree with you in that so far it was like citrus doesn't feel particularly botanical to me and i also kept waiting well here's your chance to bring up the gin and tonic thing again buddy Mm -hmm. and and let's let's do some let's have some fun with that and even though tom like one um for like the technical and everything um but yeah so this, it does feel like a stretch in so far as like it was make a pie and then make some more bread to which i just went oh, more bread Um, and I say this as someone who likes bread, but it's just like, I want something different. I, I, I already know who can make bread. I, I learned who could make bread and hey, guess what? All the people who made bread well last time made bread well again this time. It's crazy how that works. (laughs) (laughs) And then like the three tier flower cake didn't really, none of them like super duper impressed me. Um, Mm -hmm. So, even though I was impressed that like Candace went like an extra mile and did like a four tier cake um that all tasted each each um <clears throat> each um tier was different, and I appreciated that they were like thematically geared and everything, but yeah, it's just i I can legitimately not tell you anything that happened in this episode apart from the fact that like Rav went home. Yeah. And that to which I promptly went, Well, yeah. I it mean, was time. It, it was time. Like in the same way that like Val was hitting her window her ceiling, Rav had very much hit his ceiling. Yeah. So yeah. Um I don't know. It's just it's a continuation of feeling just kind of disappointed in a lot of um this season so far and like underwhelmed. Yeah. Is probably the better thing to say.
0: Well, and it's just like, because we're such fans of the show, like, we're yeah. still talking yeah. about it, you know, for the sixth week, despite being unimpressed with the season, that's how much we like this show, but you think, there's only so much, you know, like, I still watched it, I will still keep re-watching it, you know, it's great to put on while I'm, you know, getting work done, or making food, or doing the dishes, but... They got. I mean, it. It. I guess it certainly makes saying goodbye a little easier.
1: Yeah, and I hadn't thought about that, especially for you as someone who um, had seen the show a bit for a lot, had been interested in watching the show longer than I had. Um, I didn't think about this as sort of a softening of the goodbye um, so much, but that's a really good point.
0: Yeah, also softening the goodbye, the all the discussion about how the new. Um, cast like the new one over at channel four is where it is going, I think. Um, it's going to be more modern and everything. I was like, Yep, definitely not watching that. Really oh, easy really? to not watch that. Oh, oh that's yeah, sad. That's
1: sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh, anyway. Um, yeah, um, how many episodes do we have left? We're in episode six, so we have like There's four. four. Left. I, I, yeah, I think it's four. Okay, I'm trying to think about who my favorites are right now. I feel like. Benjamin and Candace are sort of locks for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then Jane probably as well. Everyone else just has, everyone else is just really sort of inconsistent except for Andrew, who I feel is very consistent in being in the middle or mm-hmm. towards the bottom. Um, uh, but yeah. And Tom just veers really kind of wildly to me sometimes, but yeah. So I feel like Benjamin Candace and Jane are sort of like who I'm putting money on. I would have put money on Selassie, but I feel like he, again, is also just sort of weirdly inconsistent sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't say anything because right. uh, you know. I know, but uh, I think that that speaks to how we feel about this season. Like that we're like stretching to find three that we feel like are strong contenders for the finale.
1: Yeah. And I, and I really only feel like Candace and um, Benjamin are like actual contenders for the finale. And Anyone else I feel like could just kind of appear and I'd be like, yeah, sure, that guy or that person. I'd be like, yeah, OK, that makes sense, I guess, for this season. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, what wins your week in comedy and reality, Noel?
1: Um, I'm going to give it to I'm Sorry and Ask Cubes, um, if only for the amazing pun of Ask Cubes. Um. But it was still just a really funny episode, and um, so I'll give it to that. Um, but of what you watched, I'm 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 guessing the Carmichael show. <laughs> yeah, definitely Carmichael show. I uh, mean, yeah. I mean, you could pick because you've already seen it. You could pick People of Earth.
0: Yes, I could pick so, that, but I'm gonna hold off on that because we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, everybody! If you don't follow me on Twitter, I really enjoyed the People of Earth premiere. But given how much I enjoyed season one, that's not much of a surprise. More yep. on this next week. But for now, let's take a break, listen to some music, and come back with our weekend drama and genre. We
1: rode through the streets of the city Down from this hill on high All the winds and the steps and the car We rode to a woman's side For she was a secret treasure She was his shame and his bliss And a chain and a keep are nothing Compared to a woman's kiss For hands of gold are always cold But a woman's hands are warm For hands of gold are always cold But a woman's hands are
0: this week in drama and genre, I'm going to talk a bit about the Game of Thrones premiere. Um, then Noel's going to talk about Remember Me, which is a three-part uh, mystery with Michael Palin on PBS. Um, then we'll talk, oh sorry, then Noel will talk claws because I'm behind. And that episode is Self Portrait. And we'll both dive in with Winona Earp, Whiskey Lullaby, and round things out with Adventure Time, Abstract, Ketchup, Fiona and Cake and Fiona. Uh, Whispers, and Three Buckets. So, first up is Game of Thrones, which came back for Season 7, and I enjoyed this episode, watched it with my family, um, who were much more keyed up about the premiere than I was. Um, There was some really um, satisfying stuff with Arya uh, that's cold and horrifying, and you would hope that no person gets traumatized to the point where they become this dark, where they poison a room full of people um but it was very very satisfying to watch Arya (laughs) tell the phrase that the north remembers and that winter came for this family who had you know slaughtered her family it was very badass uh liana mormont was killing it up at uh in 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 the north with john and sansa and i really appreciated that scene it felt sort of fan servicey and not in keeping with the time period or like the, the culture of where this is set. But frankly, I don't care because there are zombie uh, and ice spiders and zombie spider, zombie giants and such. So if you're going to get hung up on, well, would that gender pivot really happen that quickly? It's like, again, there are dragons and there are zombie zombie giants. Let's not get hung up on the uh, the gender revolution happening easily. Um, for the rest of the episode, it, it was very, like, they, I thought they did a good job of moving from place to place, of establishing where everyone is, what's going on. The people that they checked in with, I thought, mostly worked. I thought it really fit with, you know, restating where their priorities are for this season. Um, I think that that, Worked. I agree with people who say that well, nothing really happened, not, nothing much really happened. It was just sort of the same, like at the end of the episode, the same things that happened in the finale were still where everybody was. Like in the finale, Danny gets on her ships to sail to Westeros, and in the premiere, hey, look, she sailed to Westeros. Like it's not a huge jump there, but I do think that. Uh, for me, it worked as an episode. It was more connected than some of the other premieres have been. And this is what they do. They, they set the table, they get everything ready for several episodes, and then they go. Um, so I thought it was a good premiere, for, you know, all things considered, for Game of Thrones. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do, knowing that they only have a handful of episodes left And if you think I didn't lose my mind when we saw Nymeria in the next week on or like the this season on trailer, then you don't you don't know me at all. Because it was the highlight probably of the whole viewing thing was seeing the next week on trailer and seeing who I think we can assume is Nymeria, who is a a character returning that I have been anticipating since I read the first book before the show started. It's very exciting. Do you know who Nymeria is, Noel? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about?
1: No, I have zero idea of what you're talking about.
0: Okay, Arya ha they all had wolves, right? Yeah. Arya's wolf is Nymeria. And okay. um in the first season, um one of uh like Prince Joffrey was being a dick and so Nymeria So like, he was being Joffrey. So he was I'm being thinking. Joffrey and uh threatening somebody i don't remember the specifics and nymeria like nipped at him and so Mm -hmm. he was gonna have have the dog uh, sorry the dog the the wolf killed and so Arya takes nymeria out and like throws rocks at her until she leaves to get her to and she won't leave until you know so she has to like get her to go get her to leave the camp so that she won't be killed um and then Joffrey's a dick so he has them kill Sansa's wolf instead okay cuz he's horrible but so so we have not seen Arya's wolf since then and so we don't theoretically she could be dead gone never come back but like we all know she was going to come back she was going to come back with like an army of wolves herself and it was going to be badass and amazing and she was going to see Arya and that looks like that's gonna finally happen.
1: Oh well, that sounds really exciting um, for people who watch the show. For people, um, <laughs> um, I guess my my big question though, and you didn't, I don't, I don't think you addressed this, and this is like the really important thing about the Game of Thrones premiere is, um, what about Ed Sheeran and his oh, God. appearance? <laughs> okay, well,
0: I will say what what I noted about Ed Sheeran's popping up his cameo is that the song he was singing sounded very nice excellent tone i would like i assume that they'll put that out but i always appreciate when they incorporate songs into the world i mean like the time the amount of time they spend traveling from one place to another you would be singing songs like anybody who drove cross-country in cars before we all had devices knows you start singing songs at a certain point Um, So I was fine with it. Um, It was a little distracting because the camera, like they know it's Ed Sheeran in a way that's Mm -hmm. distracting in the way it was shot. Like if they had just, like if the camera guy and the director didn't know who Ed Sheeran was and thought he was just some guy, I think it would have been shot differently and it would have been better. Um, But other than that, I didn't think, I thought it was fine. I thought the performance was fine. And people were, I, I, I immediately agreed with the people saying, okay, WTF, why do you have Ed Sheeran on here? But I also think that there was too much hubbub about it, too much fuss, and, you know, in ten years, when people go back and watch this, assuming nothing crazy happens with Ed Sheeran, I think plenty of people watching this, if they don't know who Ed Sheeran is, won't be distracted.
1: Sure, sure, sure. That was literally the only thing I knew that happened in Game of Thrones premiere, was that Ed
0: Sheeran showed up.
1: That's all I know. (laughs) That's all I knew happened.
0: Uh, uh, the last thing I'll mention is that the there was some really terrific stuff with the hound, and um, and the fire, and I, I'm encouraged by that getting that scene being so long and getting such prominent placement in the episode. We'll see what happens with him, but I'm yes, I'm very encouraged by what they're giving him to do and what that says about their focus, like for as opposed to like, like for which characters are going to get time so yeah we'll see what happens but I, I I I thought it was a solid premiere I liked it
1: cool I'm glad to hear that
0: yeah what did you think of remember me did you like this one how and did they just air the first episode how, how much of this aired
1: uh they just aired the first episode so remember me is a BBC one uh import that PBS is airing this originally aired in 2014 over in the UK so it's got a couple of years on it um already um but this has uh, michael palin who both of us love um and in a regular acting role for like the first time in like a couple of decades like he hasn't done a lot of work um in a while and so he plays a guy an elderly man named tom who fakes a fall to get away from his house for some reason and he um ends up in a um, assisted living home basically But then shortly after he gets there, someone gets pushed out of a window. And so mystery um, (laughs) is sort of like the best way to describe it is mystery. And um, there's some other stuff going on. There is a teenage uh, care assistant who named Hannah, who's intrigued by all the weird stuff that's going on. Um, Mark Addy is on as a detective who goes up for promotion and then just basically botches it by saying he doesn't trust his own judgment and is sort of just like moping around and doesn't seem like super interested in solving this particular case. And then there's also some other really weird stuff going on in that it's implied that there's some sort of supernatural element related to the song Scarborough Fair. (laughs) And, uh, also happening in Tom's house, um, which is why he faked the fall. Um, or like we can intuit that there's something weird going on that he's brought with him somewhere. And cause he gets really upset when he finds out that Hannah poked around the house and started singing the song Scarborough Fair to him at the assistant living house. And he got really, really angry. So there's something going on supernatural-ish and some kids get scared in his house towards the end of the episode, and so I'm not entirely sure what to make of this, but it's also only three episodes. Um, and like I said, I love Michael Palin, and I really enjoy Ma- Mark Addy a lot. So I'm in for like the next two episodes. I can I can carve out time for two episodes, basically, and see where this goes. If it goes in a kind of a satisfactory sort of creep show sort of mystery approach, then I'm very much in for that. Um, yeah, so does any of this sound really appealing? How much of this did you know about apart from... Michael Palin and mystery. The
0: only thing I knew about this one was Michael Palin mystery and everything you're saying is just like it, every, every new thing you said made me like go, Oh, 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 more <laughs> to the point where now I was like, I'll definitely check this out. It was like, Oh, maybe I won't.
1: Yeah. And I can understand that. Like I wasn't expecting the supernatural thing at all and Mm -hmm. like they sort of hint at it in the opening in like the opening a little bit um because something like washes up on like the shoreline and then stands up and it looks kind of creepy and weird um but it's like from a distance so it just looks really tall and and but also anything washing up on like a british shore is never good (laughs) (laughs) Um, that never ends in sunshine and rainbows does it right no it never ends well so that that was sort of my response of like Oh, that's not a that's not a person that we're going to like figure out who this is later in like a Michael Palin solves a mystery sort of thing. This is this is something a little different. And as the episode progressed, especially by the end, it was very much like, "Oh, this is this is going to be something weird and he's got a secret and there's a monster of some sort probably maybe." So, yeah that I think is where this is going is like, this is sort of more horror supernatural than it necessarily is mystery.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. I don't need to check it out.
1: What about Claus? <laughs> self-portrait? All right. And also apparently like this episode got renamed number two and no one told my um, cable provider. Um, so self-portrait slash number two, we learn more about what's happening with uh, the woman who abducted roller, um, who's Jane Addams and um we see her like kind of again somehow miraculously getting unburned body out of the um out of that boat um, again i don't know how that worked but okay show pay no um, attention to the realities of moving things and people's mortality yeah pretty much um so we see some we learn about her like art And everything but she basically intends to like keep him there forever but he's like already sort of like plotting to get out and he actually manages to make a phone call to uncle daddy but isn't able to talk on the phone um because jane adams character shows up um to interrupt the call naturally so that's going to get continue to drag out for the rest of the season i'm guessing um What else happens? Um, The big the one of the big things is that Desna meets a handsome gynecologist who she ends up dishing on two different dates for two different reasons. But he's super supportive and nice. So obviously he'll end up being a bad guy at some point. But he seems really cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, then the other thing is that um, they go to a nail um, competition. And they compete against the um, women who are running, who used to be running the salon that Desna and her crew will be taking over shortly. And uh, Desna wins, and they get fifteen thousand dollars, which is really nice. And yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a good episode. Um, there's some stuff happening in regards to like um, tensions running between Jenny and Desna, and all the stuff that's going on with Bryce and. The, the so those tensions are continuing to be explored and yeah so it's a good episode but it very much feels like an episode 6 7 which is what it is it's episode 6 of a series like this where it's just sort of like we're not killing time exactly but we're transitioning to like a new phase of the narrative so we have to like start setting some things up and that's basically what's what's happening here so it's a good episode but it's definitely not batshit um which was last week's uh really terrific episode
0: Based on how strongly we knowed the end of last episode, does this help with that? Does it temper it, or is it just still
1: the same issue? It's still the same issue, at least for me. I'm v- I'm very much like, I don't need Roller to be alive, and as kooky and weird as Jane Addams' performance is, and I'm always here for a kooky and weird Jane Addams performance, um, it's just sort of like, ugh, this is this is unnecessary, and I don't need this, so...
0: Okay. Well, so it goes. I guess we're in the, we're in for the duration on that one, but, uh, one that we're excited, I think, to be in for the duration on is Winona Earp, Whiskey Lullaby, and of course how they are already handling Winona's pregnancy. Um, what did you, what did you think of, you know, how sort of they respond? Like they immediately jump forward in time, uh, (laughs) so that we can have big belly Winona so she can't. So basically to remove the option of her getting an abortion, and to, or at least, you know, at least an early abortion. And then to force her to have conversations that she might avoid. So how did you, were you, were you cool with that decision? Did it feel like, like, did they skip over too many earlier conversations in the process you would have liked to have seen? Like, how how did you feel about this, like, everybody's been in a, a, a coma for a month thing?
1: Well, I I, um, I sort of cackled about it um, because I thought it was just a really clever way to handle that um, in terms of like we don't. And just from like a costuming perspective as well, it's just like, well, we don't want her in a big coat all season, all the time. And even if it makes sense for her to sort of be in one just from like a weather standpoint. But it's just like we we don't want to have to do that constantly. And we don't want to have to like maybe put handbags in front of her as well and do scandal Um, so I thought that I just, I I had, I laughed actually when like they revealed it and everything and I figured out what they were, how they were like making it work. And I just went, oh, that's so smart. And, but I also like the fact that they made sure to like sort of acknowledge the fact that this is weird for the fact that because like the Sandman character goes, but yeah, check your phone. It's exactly like the same day that it was. And you are just kind of weird. You're not following the rules that are supposed to be followed, and it's just like, oh, this is really good. Which this is really good. why everybody yeah. didn't starve to death
0: in Tacoma yeah, exactly. for a month.
1: Yeah. So I was just like, oh, this is really good. I like this a whole lot. So I really appreciated it, and I like the episode overall. But I really liked how they handled that as a way to like. And I don't even mind like a jumping over a discussion sort of thing because everyone's reactions were really good. Like, I think this is like the most I've liked dolls ever in a lot of ways. And so I really liked his reaction to a lot of this. And I liked Doc's reaction to a lot of this as well with just the note and everything. And so I was just like, it's I, the idea that I would not be okay with any of this from like, in, never entered my brain because of how generally well I responded to everything that happened in this episode. So how did you feel about it? Did you feel like they were skipping over some stuff or were they moving too fast or like, how did you feel about this? Oh, they definitely skip over stuff. But
0: I, like you, I had so much fun with this episode and there was such care and thought in how each person responded to Winona's pregnancy and to like, like finding out that she was pregnant, the order they find out, the fact that each person has... A slightly different response which you know fits with their different personalities and life experiences like we get to the end and then the comedic beat is like oh wait like was that a secret did you guys not know <laughs> um from jeremy who apparently knew the yes. whole time oh uh, it was lovely um yeah i thought i thought they did a really good job and um i also really liked dolls for for part of this episode but i don't think they very gracefully handled what they were going for was this idea of him like relaxing into just being himself now that black badge is gone and then immediately snapping back into black badge mission cold dolls at the end because of some reason that I don't understand. Like I I saw some people talking about it's like, Oh, well yeah, but now it's like, it's back to the mission. And so he can't just be himself. Like why? Why? You didn't earn that. Um, Other than that, I did really like the episode. And again, it was that same... I mean, it, it feels like I need to get away from using this comparison because it's its own show. But it was that same Buffy feel of the monster of the week or, or like, like I was thinking of course of the different episode, like Buffy had an episode kind of like this and, um, charmed has an episode like this. And so like, I thought they did again, it was what Winona herb always does. It take a very familiar like genre idea and do their own take on it. And mostly
1: they've done a really good job. And I thought this was the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, uh, it, We keep going back to that Buffy comparison, but I mean, even I was using it um, earlier this week when uh, some folks were asking me for recommendations and figuring that they were big Buffy fans. I was just like, you guys should watch Wind on Earth if you haven't tried it, because you'll like it in terms of what you can sort of expect. I was just like, it's Buffy, like 15 years later, there's drinking, there's swearing, there's a lot of sex, you're going to love it. And um, yeah, so I, I, I feel like that comparison is still apt because they're sort of why No Europe is able to, again, do these sort execute these sorts of stories really well, but also make them feel very much of their own, which I think is really important. And that sh- this show does that very, very well and, and avoids feeling sort of like, ah, oh, monster of the week. Woo and there's still like enough stuff and enough variations, and the characters are all generally defined enough in terms of like their presentation. That that's what makes that's what makes the riff interesting, basically. So yeah, I'm 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 very I'm very still like very excited for what we've got going forward, and now that the pregnancy's out um literally visibly out. (laughs) Um, they can they can start like doing even more stuff with it. So I'm really excited.
0: Any thoughts on the ending and having Winona kill Tempest even though he wasn't he didn't choose to do this. Um and then the you know, the MRA guy uh going rogue (laughs) and he should be dead. I don't think he's going to be, but he should be dead. And the Stone Witch, of course, that affects Doc's curse. Stone Witch being dead. What do you you think about uh, all this other stuff that they had going on at the very end?
1: Oh, well, I felt sad that she kind of killed the Sandman in part because it was just sort of like, oh, he didn't really want to do this. He was very content just to stay in his mansion. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love how many mansions this place has. (laughs) A place that economically doesn't seem like it should be able to support this many mansions. It has a lot of mansions. (laughs) <laughs> um so i i liked i i i liked that little bit of a struggle of her just like but he hasn't done anything and so i liked i appreciated that um but i and i i love that we don't remember mra guy's name at all <laughs> yeah um it's i it's either mra guy or upskirt camera guy i mean pick yeah. your pick um and him killing the Stone Witch um is sort of an interesting escalation. I'm impressed that he could kill the Stone Witch. <laughs> um Yeah, it doesn't seem like he should be able to. Yeah, so and let alone decapitate. Um so and I I've, I just have to imagine that there's something else going on there, but I'm I'm sort of like, but how, kid? <laughs> um so but I'm I'm interested in seeing like this upping of tension and the kind of mess of like these seals and everything else that's going on as well. So yeah, it should be interesting uh, yeah. 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 I, I yeah. It's kind of like I'm still I'm more in, I'm I've always been interested in what these two sisters are doing. Um but I'm just and the seals and everything, but I'm sort of waiting i'm I'm interested enough in the escalation of him going rogue that I'm sort of willing to also kind of let slide the fact that I don't believe for a second that he could kill the stone witch, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no that's yeah, i agree <laughs> um I, I liked um i i liked when one was saying like oh i i thought earlier i i thought that it was i didn't i, th- I thought that it was my sister, yeah. Now that I say that out loud, that doesn't really. That was, that was pretty stupid, but I, th- I just assumed I was seeing things. Yeah, that was that was a, a a fun little little throwaway moment there. So we'll see what happens with it. Certainly, and I I I think you, your assessment is spot on. We should assume there is more coming, more nuance, or you know, a twist or something coming because that's what I hope the show <laughs> has trained us to expect. So yeah. we'll see. Um, our last episode in the Weekend Drama and Genre is Adventure Time, which is back with a episode each day this week. Um, Abstract, up Fiona, and Cake and Fiona, Whispers, and Three Buckets. And the big theme in this, besides creepy talking hands, uh, the big theme was not knowing yourself and um, trying to pretend to be someone else. Uh, it was a, you know... and and not accepting change it it was a bit heavy-handed for me but i still i still really love these episodes i thought that that you know like i don't know that we needed to have the same theme get hit so many times each day um but so so i'm curious what you think about that do you think that they amplified each other and made it more of a thematic through line or do you think it got repetitive
1: um, I think it got a little repetitive, a little bit. I, I think that there's enough variation, especially like within the Fiona and Cake and Fiona episode. Um insofar as like we got like a a bit of a break from it from like our main characters. hmm Um, that it's sort of it was a it was a complimentary digression basically, and um a, a sort of needed one before we got into the whispers and three buckets two parter. Um, but yeah, I, I very, and especially with how, especially with how three bucket, um, ends up ending, um, <laughs> that, uh, that, this idea of knowing yourself and trusting and being comfortable in who you are, um, ended up being really significant. And I, I feel like that that's sort of where the show has been getting to pretty steadily, especially just in regards to like Finn's own maturation, but yeah, it it gets a little heavy handed, um, in this in in these run of episodes. I I don't disagree with you.
0: Um, now with uh with Comic Con, I have not had the chance to see Three Buckets yet. Um, okay, but I feel like Whispers and Three Buckets are the big like. First of all, Abstract is creepy because blue five eye. Yes. I can't like I can't handle blue five eyed Jake. Um, He's still
1: Jake though, Kate. Come on, still Jake. Mm-hmm. I need him
0: to be okay. But um, I do feel like the big takeaway is whispers in three buckets. And um, let's talk about the Lich being back and like that seeming like the threat. But then it's really like creepy green Cthulhu, mini Cthulhu monster inside Fern. Like, were you ready for this like pivot? And did you expect to see like, were you surprised to have that come back in such a big way?
1: I was not expecting the lich to come back at all. And I really appreciated like the joke of, that must've been the day that BMO found the sailor hat. It's um, <laughs> like, that's that's how Finn remembers that day is the sailor hat. And it's just like, that's fantastic. It's such a quick little throwaway. But no, I did not expect like the lich to resurface in this way at all. And it was really delightful and really, again, scary. Cause it's just like, they somehow made a talking Jake hand claw um voiced by ron perlman really scary and that's a testament both to ron perlman but also to the fact that i totally was creeped out by this hand sort of talking i just went oh this is really weird and i'm not okay with it i'm not okay with this the Um, animation
0: for the hand was terrific
1: wasn't it though it was super super good um so i really enjoyed that and then i really appreciated like sweepy sort of like sort of pushing against his three peas destiny as it were. And so I enjoyed that, but um, it fed really nicely into three buckets, which you haven't watched yet. And I don't want to give like too much away, but um, Fern goes very quickly in on his plan to replace Finn and it, it does not go well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we also, um, it also ends with a, also ends with the re, the appearance slash reappearance of someone who I was not expecting to show up on the show, um. So, uh, at least to that, that who I think it is. So, okay. and who, if it is who I think it is, this is this is going to be the things are going to get really serious really quickly. I think. Ah, intriguing!
0: A, a, a very effective tease there for what's coming next.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. It's... I'm glad. Um yeah. How did you feel about catch uh, up in particular? Because this is an episode that had. Um, Very different animation styles and um, was done by um, Alex and uh, Lindsay uh, Smallbutter, um, who do the uh, Batman Peterman uh, web series, which is Spider Man and um, Batman um, web series, comedic sort of thing. It's very funny, but very silly. But they did a lot of the work on Ketchup. So, how did you feel about Ketchup's different animation styles to tell these uh, particular sort of perspectives?
0: Oh, I thought it was super cute and uh, a really fun. Oh, again, a really fun digression or within the theme for this week. So, I I thought you know Bemo's well, mine was emotionally true at least <laughs> was <laughs> was just super super adorable and very fitting with Bemo. I like that we got some Marcy time. We have more uh, Marceline stuff coming. Um, yes. So we'll see you know i think it was n- nice to have this episode here and then i'm imagining it'll get con- con- contrasted a bit with um the ne- based on the next episode title that i've seen um so we'll see but uh, yeah it was it was um it was fun and it was good that we checked in a bit on on you know the really intense stuff that went down in elements
1: yeah yeah especially with the jake stuff i'm glad that we didn't like let that linger in any way, because I was sort of yeah. worried that we were just gonna like he was gonna be the blue shapeshifter um, creature for a little while, and I'm glad that the show went. Oh no 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 no! He's gonna be Jake. Um, yeah. He's still Jake. In fact, he's he's Jake. He's just oh, he's going through some stuff right now. Yeah. And we're going to address that right now. Um, mainly because we also don't want to animate that really complicated thing every week. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and
0: just that, again, that message, I'm always thinking about the messaging of the show, the message to kids of talk to your friends, but listen to them and trust them. Know, know when they need you to see like their insecurities within what they're saying, but also do believe them when they say that they're still Jake Um, and Finn's just trust of, of Jake in this episode, I thought was really a, a terrific choice.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, and it of course trust in people causes problems later. But, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's a it's a good button. It's a good run of five episodes, I think. Even if it does, like you said, feel a little heavy handed sometimes. Mm-hmm. Ha! Heavy handed because ha, ah, ha, eh. lich's hand. See, yeah. See, see I, how I, just, I see what yeah, you did there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 We're we're well, on fire today with these funds, man. So much,
0: <laughs> so much. Well, what, uh, Noel? What wins your week in
1: drama and genre? Um that's a good question. Um, but I feel like I'm pretty s i am pretty I feel like very secure in saying that it's going to be whiskey lullaby from Winona Earp this week. Uh what about you? What one your week?
0: Yeah, I feel kind of bad not saying adventure time, but I do think right. I had more fun with Winona Earp, so maybe that would change if I had seen three buckets, but right now I'm I'm gonna give it to Winona Earp. Whiskey Lullaby. Woo! Woo! now we will take a break and come back with our resolution check-in our, t- our 2017 tv resolution check-in number three we'll be right back after this
1: girl girl she got me, on? Yeah. Who's that girl, she got me on? Me out, I'll be doing my thing. Can hear this voice inside your head, going ooh la 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 la. Is that too raw? You can't deny that I got this gin and tonic. You got me on, hey. now, that girl past the whistle, move
0: straight back We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Calls Weekend as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, I'm very much uh, busy at Comic-Con right now. So I was not going to have time to to do a deep dive on a show like you know we like to do here for the DVD shelf. So we thought it was time for another check-in another, on our, our TV resolutions. It's been a while. we were supposed to be doing one a month. That's not happening this year, listeners. No. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, so, again, we thought it was it was definitely time that we did another one of these. Um, so my resolution, again, was to watch streaming shows on YouTube, YouTube web series. And your resolution was to watch more anime. So this month for mine, uh, my, my resolution, I watched The Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which is a YouTube... Uh, adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Now, have had you heard of this one before? Like people kept telling me to watch it, but I had never actually heard of it before I made this resolution. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I'd heard of it um going back to when it like started. Uh, a number of folks in my Twitter feed were really really into it. As you probably noticed when you announced that you were doing it and everyone just had recommendations and their favorite sections for you to watch. Mhm. And spin-offs that you could watch. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, that are essential mm-hmm. viewing, which I will get into yeah. here. Um so, Noel, how do you feel about Pride and Prejudice? Are you uh, obviously I shouldn't say obviously. I've discussed it in the podcast. On the, on, I've discussed it on the podcast in the past, but I'm I'm a big fan of the book mm-hmm. and the various adaptations of it. Do you have an affinity for Pride and Prejudice?
1: I'm more of a Sense and Sensibility person. Fair um, enough. So yeah, I've never like really gotten into Pride and Prejudice too much. But uh, if there, if only there had been a Sense and Sensibility adaptation, I would have been there. But um, yeah, Pride and Prejudice is fine. I, it's just never been my favorite.
0: Okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, the the Lizzie Bennet Diaries is a series. It's it's a web series or YouTube series of uh, based on the first person diary of Lizzie Bennet. Our main character it is set now. Um, it it is um, all in the form of direct to camera addresses, basically, um, and with with an occasional other person, and in, in a very few number of episodes, two people joining Lizzie on, on the screen. Um, and that is why there are a, a handful of spin off kind of shows that incorporate in as well, if you want to be a completist and watch everything, which I highly recommend, because then, <laughs> then you, there are opportunities to get other perspectives, um, and most specifically Lydia. Um, Lydia has her own like spin off web series of like about I want to say it's sixty episodes um the Lizzie Bennett Diaries is a hundred a uh, hundred episodes, oh wait, maybe it's thirty episodes, I think it's thirty for Lydia um, but what that lets you do if you watch just the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, you get Lizzie's perspective on everything, but if you also watch the Lydia Bennett, you get Lydia's perspective without like with no no filter of Lizzie. And there's also Collins and Collins. There's Pemberley Digital. There's Maria of the Lou. So there's there's several different characters get their own, you know, window into like you you get as a viewer you get window into what they're thinking and and what you know what's going on with them and and it works I would say very very well. Um, this is possibly my favorite adaptation of Pride and Prejudice I've ever seen. I okay. loved the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, <laughs> and it has some problems that come in just based on the structure of it. Um, Certain characters really struggle in the adaptation just because of the format. You don't get into their mind in any meaningful way and you don't get to like when it does, the show keeps reminding you very much that this is Lizzie's perspective and other characters, especially on the other shows will mention that, that this is her truth. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's the truth. Um, And uh, for most of the narrative, that works great. That works just fine, and you know you have a somewhat you know biased narrator, but you know that's why the other characters pop up to give their take on it and maybe push her a little bit on on how she's read a particular situation. Um, the the character that struggles the most is Darcy. You don't really get because you don't you don't get to see him when Lizzie's not there. So there's lots of talking about Darcy, but you don't actually get him um when you know, towards the end of the narrative when he's much more in it with her then i think it, the character works a lot better and this very first appearance of him just totally left me cold i didn't think it worked at all but by the end i thought the the chemistry between the leads um or i should say between lizzie and darcy worked really really well and they were very charming together but it took a while to get there what makes Lizzie Bennet Diaries stand out to me, Noel, is that this is by far the best adaptation for the character of Lydia, who is, okay. as you may recall, the, the useless, irresponsible younger of the three. She's actually in the middle of five children in the novel, yeah. but <laughs> in this there's only three children. And then there's a cousin, Mary, instead of another sister, Mary. And Kitty is an actual Kitty. (laughs) Aww. (laughs) She just is great and a wonderful statement on the uselessness of Kitty in the novel. (laughs) Um, But um, Lydia is just there to be a problem and there to be a cautionary tale in the original novel. By setting it now, because of how our expectations and our, our society has changed, she's just like 19 or 20 and trying to have fun and just being a being a young person and there's nothing wrong with that and and so um yeah she needs to grow up and mature but it's nothing that out of the ordinary and the compassion that the show has for her and the way that it recenters this story instead of being about lizzie and darcy's romance it's very much about lizzie and her relationships with her sister now her relationship with jane is very strong and doesn't really shift over the course of the story. But her relationship with Lydia goes on this total arc and it is, it's, it's really, really good. It's, it's really impressive. It's also the best annotation I've seen for Wickham. And, and when we go and you're watching, you know, Lizzie's perspective, her diaries, her, her videos, um, you get, the start of that, but when you go over into the Lydia Bennett, which is Lydia's web series that she does for a little bit, the crafting of that arc Noel, is so amazing because the actress who plays Lydia is Mary Kate Wiles, and what she does in these in her own one is, and what the writers do with the character is they show basically she has this fight with 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 Lizzie. And then goes off at it's at the holidays, She goes off to Vegas with her friends for New Year's, and falls in with Wickham. And you just see the 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 creation and the 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 beginnings of an abusive relationship, of a controlling, destructive, yeah, relationship between the two of them. You see her from this vibrant, energetic party loving but but very kind and sassy young woman in in the lizzie bennett diaries you see her like she's upset and she's uncertain at the start of her of her diary but and and then wickham's there to prey on that you notice like he he's there to 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 make her to comfort her and to to buck her up but every time he compliments her it's with don't listen to what those other people are saying. I know that you're beautiful. I know that you're kind even if your sister is terrible. Like so he's, I you can just you watch her her get manipulated by this guy and because she's coming from a place of hurt and in insecurity, she doesn't see it happening. But the performance and the writing for for both of those characters, it's subtle enough that you believe her not seeing it. Um, but it's, it's very purposeful and it makes you like, it, it just puts this new sheen on Wickham in that that is so, so identifiable and relatable. And it's the kind of thing you've seen so many times um, in other narratives, usually with the character trying to be the, the nice guy, the good guy, um, when they're actually terrible, it, like happens so often <laughs> in, um, you're just very controlling, you know, rewatch some Felicity and you'll see what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and, and so the way that they do that and like, it's, it's, it, again, it shows such care and respect and love for the character of Lydia, who is always just there to be terrible, Um, that it just kind of blew my mind. And so at the end of the Lizzie Bennet, diaries the relationship the show is most interested in is not lizzie and darcy it's lizzie and lydia and it's just a beautiful reinterpretation of this novel um and to, to recenter it that way uh, i so i i absolutely loved it the the other things that they, some of the things they do is they race bend several of the characters charlotte lucas is now charlotte lou um the bing lee is bing lee and is is so so they, they make several of the characters of Asian descent, um uh they they um uh, make Fitz a uh, a black gay man, um or I shouldn't say gay a queer man who's got a boyfriend, but we you know they don't ever say his sexuality, um or his identif- how he identifies on the show, uh, so there's there's more representation that way than you ever see <laughs> in this. Story, unless you're watching Bride and Prejudice, of course. Um, And the other thing that they do that's absolutely terrific is they take the Collins arc. And instead of it being Collins proposing to to Jane, sorry, not to Jane, to Lizzie, it is Collins wanting to go into business and to hire Lizzie. And then, and her turning that down because it's not, you know, she's she's a um media like a communications major and she wants to make videos. And so it's he wants he runs a he's trying to put together a industrial films company. Like informational, that kind of a thing. And so it instead of it being a marriage proposal, it's a business proposal. And so then when Charlotte does take that, it leads to this rift with Lizzie that is so much more interesting because that it allows them to have that conversation about dreams versus reality and practicality and what will bring happiness and what is happiness and these different ideas without it having to be about marriage, which doesn't really relate in a modern context. So, so it just, it, it lets, it lets them, it open up the world of, of this story to so many more areas. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really terrific and, um, I, I, I look forward to trying to 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 getting more of my family to watch it. I tried to get my sister to watch it because she loves Pride and Prejudice, but she had trouble with the direct address vlog format. So it, I'm gonna try again, but it might not be for her. But if you can get past that, if if having the direct to camera doesn't doesn't bother you, um, if that's not a, if that's not a like a deal like a deal breaker for you, this is a absolutely lovely. Way to do it, like, like because of the characters who are the most cartoonish, we never see, we just see they do um, costume theater, uh, and so Lizzie will put on like a floppy hat and be her mother, and so like ev- all the more outrageous or things that feel very out out of touch to a modern audience, those things, it's Lizzie saying that's what her mom said, so it's you know there's an implied bias there in a sense of well she's you know stretching it a bit and that again makes it more palatable and more relatable for a modern audience in a modern setting and we get that with several different characters and yeah it's just it's it's such a terrific way to do this show to do this to do this story I should say a hundred episodes each of them is like three to eight minutes long the cast is terrific Down the line with the big standout being Mary Kate Wiles um, and the, yeah, it's just, when you see a new way to do a story that you already thought several different people had nailed, it's very exciting. So, yeah, I just, I loved it and I look forward to watching it again at some point. Um, Do you have any thoughts or questions?
1: Well, I think it's safe to say this is probably your favorite web series you've watched so far this year, yes?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, by far. Yeah. Not even a contest. Okay.
0: Yeah, and Um, I loved loved a lot about the other ones i watched. Sure. It's just more of, like, you're starting out with a beloved property. And then executing it well. I mean, it's not really fair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You had it built in. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I guess my question then is, oh, why do you think that this hasn't been come like a thing, basically? Um, in a, like, I mean, adapting these sort of um, public domain novels mm-hmm. into a into this sort of a setting is it just too much work? And I mean, you need a lot of money to do this, mm-hmm. um, and time. And but it feels like especially given how successful Lizzie Bennet Diaries was within like its time period, which was when was this uh, released across? It was like the it was early like about a year,
0: 2012 to 2013. They did right. one or two videos a week.
1: Yeah. OK, so, yeah, that's that's about right. So, yeah, they I, I'm just curious if you basically if this team got together again, yeah. what novel would you want them to do?
0: Well, they did do the same team did do okay. Emma, and they okay. did um, they did um, Welcome to Sanditon, which was like a spin spinoff uh, take with, of one of I think it was Jane Austen's unfinished novel, and they but they changed the main character to be Gigi, uh, or Georgiana from Pride and Prejudice instead of that so that they could follow that character off to a new adventure. Um, I. As I understand it, I did not watch those. As I understand it, they didn't work as well or didn't catch fire the same way. Right. And I think, I think, I do think that Pride and Prejudice lends itself to this style very Mm -hmm. well. Okay. Because it is a lot of people in drawing rooms talking about their feelings.
1: (laughs) No, it is. It is. So many feelings being discussed and not being discussed.
0: (laughs) And again, all of the back and forth of what happened, and you know what does it mean, and who said what, and you know, like there's a lot. It's it's a lot of gossip, and so the way that the show interacts with that, the way that the web series, I should say, interacts with, like, okay, you say you're this this, you want to change the world, and you're this feminist, and and all you do is talk about your sister's love life. That's all you're doing on your blog. Um, so it yeah, and it starts out very much driven by the Jane narrative with Bingley um <clears throat> and then goes into immediately then pivots over into the stuff with Charlotte and Collins and then goes in and Wickham shows up, you know, after that a little bit and then then goes away and then there's tension with Lydia and more B- like so like it it pivots very easily and nicely between these different um romantic uh quarrels and and trials and tribulations in a way that I think works nicely and paces itself out pretty well. I will say I was like kinda wanted like checking my clock a little early earlier in the season, being like, When are they gonna get to? My favorite parts. <laughs> um, but I do think that on the whole, it I mean, I wa- I watched a hundred episodes of this and thirty episodes of the Lydia thing and ten episodes of Q and A and like eight episodes of Collins and Collins. And like I watched all these things in two days. Like I I started it on Friday after we finished recording. I finished it the next the next day on Saturday. So I guess really it was within 24 hours. Yeah. That's a that's insane thing to do, but it grabbed me that much that I was technically able to I had to reschedule some things <laughs> in my life to make it happen. Uh the episode as you remember last week got out a little late. Um but but I wanted to because the structure of it, like it was very addictive and it made you want to go to the next to the next. And I think there are probably not as, I don't know how many novels would are structured in a way that would work this. Sure. This well. Yeah. But if I had to pick one, I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like something like little woman would work yeah. really well for this, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: and you could even do like each, you could like do, each sister for a little while, and yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like,
0: like be, Amy's would... videos in Paris would be very different, right. than Joe's, for example. So
1: yeah, that's not a bad idea. I think that would actually work really well. You should get on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I should do that. Hey, uh, Hank Green and Bernie mm-hmm. Sue, who like <laughs> made this or executive produced it, you should you should
1: you should do that. Do Little Women.
0: Yeah, do Little Women. Um, now, Noel, I know that uh, you are not. Like you said, you're not the biggest Pride and Prejudice fan. Uh, Is this something that you could see yourself seeking out? Um, Or is this like, you're like, glad you enjoyed it. Not my thing.
1: No, this is something I've been sort of meaning to watch and just haven't like carved out the time for it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I even asked you if you wanted me to watch it. um, And we just do like a shelf on it. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're just like, yeah, maybe if you feel like it, as opposed to just saying yes.
0: Well, because and... I'm not making you watch it. It took, a, <laughs> like, a day of my life just went into my computer. Like, you already watch so much stuff. I'm not going to say you have. That's what the Make You watch a is for, and I'm picking a different <laughs> show for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, so this is something I've um, been meaning to watch because I remember when it was r- first starting up, and like I said, a number of folks in my feed were, like, super, super into it. Uh, but I just, I didn't carve out the time, and a lot of it just had to do with the fact that I don't like watching things on my computer a lot anymore yeah uh but now like i have now like i have like things to with which to stream youtube onto a television television Ah. set now so i'm much more willing to watch stuff that way than um watching having to watch stuff on my computer um because i don't i sit in front of a computer all day i don't like watching stuff on a computer anymore unless i'm just like in bed type of thing so but now since i can stream youtube through my playstation it's just like oh this is a lot easier so maybe soon maybe
0: (laughs) if you do watch it and listeners if you do seek this out which i clearly highly recommend um do yourself a favor and find a playlist that has all of the different related shows in order because because like episode like, one of the Lydia show should be before episode whatever of Lizzie. Like, so find yourself a playlist that just, like, has all of them and just click and have it at least <laughs> you go to the next one. Like, just set aside yeah. X number of minutes that day to watch it and, and, and do it that way. If you try to, like, have separate feeds open and click back and forth, I think that'll that's kind of a pain. But, yeah, you know. Fortunately, some people put did the work of putting it together for us. And a uh, friend of the show, Caroline Cita just sent me that link. It was like, watch watch it this way. So Caroline, <laughs> you're right. Well, <laughs> Anyways, okay. I've been going on far too long here with my latest. Um, what is new this quarter, right? Quarter in the yeah. world of anime, Noel?
1: Well, Sucker Quest is uh, continuing into the summer, which is nice. Uh, so I'll have another 13... 13- Uh, like ish 13, 12 episodes of that, um, though I'm three behind right now. Womp womp. Um, But it's been still really good. Uh, They're learning new things about the town um, through their research and trying to bolster the town and increase tourism. Uh, One of the better episodes was they had three women come in from Tokyo for a rural date night um, to encourage people to move to the city, and uh, the, the women were very non-judgmental about like how kind of weird the town was in terms of like there's nobody here, all the stores are closed. But they seem to have a really nice time. But also through that story, they discovered like this missing piece of a town legend that had been, like, lost for, like, a couple of centuries. And so they're learning new things about the town. There's still really good, very quiet comedy being mined in the show. So I'm still really, really enjoying it. Um, One thing that I will say that I haven't been able to watch that I want to desperately watch, but um, I probably won't until it's done, uh, is Welcome to the Ballroom is an anime set in competitive ballroom dancing. Yes! Yes, I know. I really wanted to, I really wanted to watch it. I was very excited about this and then I forgot that it was on Amazon's Anime Strike, which is their mm. subscription-based anime streaming service, and I'm not paying another $5 a month for another subscription service, Kate. Mm-hmm. And so, once it's all done, I will sign up for a 7-day trial and that will be the only time I watch Anime Strike. <laughs> is to watch Welcome to the Ballroom. Um, so, but I'm, I, it's something I was really interested in. Pro, uh, Production IG is uh, a really terrific animation studio and they're handling the, they're handling Welcome to the Ballroom. So it should look really good at the very least. Uh, but I haven't been able to watch it because I refuse to pay another $5 a month for yeah. anything. So, but it's something to keep an eye on and I knew you'd be excited when I said that there was a competitive ballroom dancing anime. Yep. <laughs> Um, so, uh, what I am watching, though, is three new shows that have just started. Um, two of the shows available two episodes so far, and the other one just started this week. So first up is Fastest Finger First, which is a high school anime about Quiz Bowl.
0: I was gonna guess Quiz Bowl. Yeah. Like, competitive question asking with buzzers?
1: <laughs> yes, it is, and there's a whole thing about when pushing buzzers down but not all the way so you have an advantage when you recognize the answer and you know (laughs) right no exactly (laughs) like i i had a feeling that you were a fellow quiz bowl person Mm -hmm. so i was one of this spoke to me just on a basis of oh i remember doing quiz bowl in high school Mm -hmm. yeah we're gonna do this we're gonna do this and (laughs) it's okay so far um a lot of it a lot of my hesitancy with it is that it's adapted from a manga from that started in 2010 so a lot of the character designs feel really dated to me, um, and they've just like straight adapted them for the anime so it's kind of like uh we've moved past this kind of character design guys mm-hmm. uh, but it's I'm still not totally feeling it right now um, a lot of it just makes me want to go back to watch Chihaiuruu, which is a much better version of a niche sort of anime with some random romance stuff sprinkled in, and this is more of a quiet dweeb finds his place in uh quiz bowl uh, is attracted to the really hyper intuit girl and is like but is also super keen on like finding his place through this but it's also sort of driven like the second episode is really heavy on otaku fan jokes about absolute territory do you know what an absolute territory is New, no. no, okay, so it's named after um the at field um from Neon Genesis Evangelion, which was a really popular anime in the mid 90s. Uh, that I again would have made you watch, except it's not streaming anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, within common culture, and this is actually something that's uh seeped out of otaku culture and into um general Japanese culture is that it's the amount of thigh that is visible between a skirt or mini shorts and those socks that go up really high. So there's, there's a a perfect ratio that's been determined, Mm -hmm. but it's, there's a couple of jokes in the second episode related to this. And it's just like, Oh, this is so old. But okay, I see how this is going. So I'm not totally sure I'm into it. I'm waiting for, like, the narrative to kick into gear in terms of we're going to have a competition. And we're really going to get into it. And we're going to, like, figure things out. And that's kind of where I'm waiting for things to kind of come together. But right now I'm feeling like a lot of – it feels sort of one note so far. There's more than one note. But it's mm-hmm. – it's, there need to be more things happening for me
0: mm-hmm. in it
1: so far. But it's also only the second episode in um all of these are high school animes which is a kind of a lot of the non-high school stuff didn't appeal to me that was in the chart so next up is clean freak ioma um which deals with a clean freak in high school who uh doesn't like to be touched doesn't like to touch anything that someone else has touched he's very germophobic. because he's so germophobic, though he's an incredible soccer player so he ha- wow. is able to dodge everyone that comes at him, but he also doesn't, like, do headers or anything because he doesn't want to get dirty. He doesn't want to touch the ball. Yeah. If there's a throw-in, someone else has to do it. <laughs> but this is also, like, really super one-note. Like, all of the jokes are centered around people's reaction to him being really quiet and germaphobic. Um, and the second episode has, like, his, his like, very devoted groupie since, like, middle school cleaning the locker room in between practices And but they think it's him. It's not him. It's her. And there hasn't been like a lot of story. It's just been like a series of jokes about him being very tidy and neat and but also willing to get dirty if things call for it, because he likes to he likes to win as well. So like in the end of the first episode, some of the guys that he played with in like the youth under 16 national championships came and were just like, why are you at this crummy school with a really lousy soccer program? And so there's a big showdown and it, it starts raining. So the field gets really muddy and he gets like dirty because he's like, well, I like to win too. So he's willing to get dirty in like the absolute need for it. Uh, but there's there's just not really a story yet. And that's really sort of frustrating because they need something to latch on to. Um, so but the animation's OK. And um, it's very driven in like little chibi Um, figures, uh, like oversized heads and like oversized eyes, but small-ish bodies. So it's very cute. It's very comedy-driven, but it's I I need a little bit more story with the comedy. Um, Then there's Classroom of the Elite, which is set in the near future. Tokyo set up this massive high school campus uh, for the best and the brightest. And everything is on this campus, Kate. Like, students aren't allowed to leave once they're on the campus, but there's movie theaters, uh, there are arcades, there are all kinds of shops, clothing, and that sort of thing. So everything they, they need, including like dorms and everything, are on this campus. But they're not allowed to interact with the outside world after they've arrived on campus. And they are given 100,000 points at the beginning of each month, which is what they're expected to live on for each month. And But it's basically translates into 100,000 yen, which is quite a bit of money. And the hook of everything is, is like that this show I'm assuming is going to interrogate because a lot of it has to do with issues of equality and is whether or not equality is a natural state and the idea of the meritocracy. So at the end of the month, they find out that the money that they're reallocated at the, at the beginning of each month is based on how well they performed in class. So if they've, just like you see montages of the students just like napping in class, not paying attention to the not paying attention to the student, uh, sorry, not paying attention to the teacher, texting, all that kind of stuff. And she, at the end, she's just like, "You're all worth nothing. That's why you didn't get anything at the start of the month. So if you've already spent all your money, congratulations. You have no money until you've proven yourself worthy of getting more." And only two of the students sort of figured out that this was something that was going to happen. Um, but I'm really interested in the thematic sort of approach that this could take in terms of exploring how we judge one another for value and worth. And it's really heavy handed in the beginning because the number of students on the way to the school on a bus, uh, like a public transit bus, uh, which was a little weird, but there's a number of them on a public transit bus, and an old lady gets onto the bus, and there's this cocky, blonde guy sitting in—if you've ever taken public transit, you know that there are seats reserved for the elderly, for uh, the disabled in any sort of fashion, and he's sitting in one of the spots— and he refuses to give it up. He's just like, why? Why would I do that? I'm young. I'm virile. Standing takes is, standing takes more energy than sitting. She clearly has less to offer to society than I do. So I should conserve my energy and this sort of thing. So it's very heavy-handed. But it sets the tone for a lot of what's c- going to come forward. I'm hoping, anyway. So I'm actually really interested in this. It has like a solid hook beyond oh, a premise that appeals to me personally in a quiz show... Or a series of jokes with um, a soccer player. So there's, there's hopefully like a narrative and a story, and like they can get into the deepness of like how kind of corrupt hopefully this school is going to obviously be. And so I'm really interested in that. If you, listeners, if you've watched, um, what was the thing from the same author? Assassination Classroom, which was um, something I'd seen a lot of folks talking about, but I've never watched. It's uh, by the same uh, manga writer, uh, Lachey. I'm sure I'm not saying that correctly. Uh, well, same studio, I should say, is the animation studio, Loche. So then that dealt with like students being taught to assassinate a monster and investigating some sort of unkillable monster and finding out things about themselves but also their teacher and so it's the same sort of premise from a lot of the reviews i've read and the same sort of ideas anyway from some of the reviews i read about classroom of the Lead after i watched the first episode so that is the one i'm most excited about that's new and the other two uh clean freak i could probably drop and feel kind of okay about that decision so far but uh, i'm gonna stick it out to the for the quiz show uh quiz bowl one just because uh, it makes me nostalgic for my own Chris <laughs> Bowl days. Uh, but, yeah, so that's what I've been... That's what I, like, the summer season basically just started last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I kind of am right now is, like, with these three plus soccer requests carrying over. So I've got four on my plate right now. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, that's where I am with my resolution.
0: Okay. Sounded pretty good. And and the those do sound, like, again, I, I'm less intrigued by Clean Freak. But yeah. The other ones do... I speak to my personal experience <laughs> in Scholastic Bowl uh, or that that is a very interesting. Pre- there's like you said, there's a lot of potential in that. Premise. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll have to let me know how it goes. I'm very intrigued to, to yeah. hear after at the end of the summer, if summer session or whatever, quarter, whatever it is.
1: Right. So I'm yeah, I'm I'm interested in it as well. I'm hoping like this is the kind of high concept anime that can go really well or go really, really poorly <laughs> um, very quickly. So I'll I'll let you know how it goes. Uh yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Noel, for chiming in with this, checking in with this. And uh listeners let us know if there are any animes or specifically for me, let me know. Yeah. If there are any more web series that you highly recommend because Lizzie Bennett Diaries was a listener. Recommendation, and I'm very grateful for it. A few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at org, which is the website for the podcast. You can leave us a comment there and let us know what you thought of the week's TV, what you thought of the week's or the, the quarters anime, um, and any other, you know, Lizzie Benedires if you are watching it or did watch it. Um, you can email us at gmail at gmail.com. You can like the page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can find us on iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And we're also up in Stitcher. We would appreciate ratings and reviews at either location and of course we're both on Twitter I am at the Televerse and Noel you are? at
1: Noel RK uh,
0: thank you Noel as always thank and you and thank you everyone for listening yeah we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse